Welcome to the Vibrant MD Podcast, where we discuss weight loss, women's health, and food. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Awad, a family doctor and certified weight loss coach. This podcast is informational, but is not meant as medical advice. Anything you want to change after listening should be discussed with your own doctor and personal medical team. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Hello, my vibrant friend, and welcome today. I am thrilled to have a friend of mine on the podcast. This is Dr. Dana Gibbs. She is an ENT doctor, ear, nose, throat, and has moved from doing a lot of surgery time to doing integrative endocrinology work. So she, we're talking about thyroid hormones today because she is now an expert on uh, a lot of hormone systems uh, that people have trouble with. But today we're talking about thyroid and weight loss. Uh, so I'm going to let Dr. Gibbs tell you a little bit more about herself first. All right. So awesome to be here, Dr. Heather. Thank you for having me. So I am Dr. Dana Gibbs. I am a mid-career otolaryngologist, and I also spent a lot of focus on allergy when I was in my original practice. I now own a boutique medical practice in the North Texas area, and I manage thyroid and hormone-related disorders with a focus on integrative medicine, and been doing that for about a year now, and having a great amount of fun with it. Great, great. Well, let's just start with that kind of the basic question about what do we need to know about thyroid disease and weight loss? Because a lot of people think, well, this weight gain might be from my thyroid. What do people need to know? Okay, so there are, I would say, 15 to maybe, you know, if you have allergies, the statistic is up to 20% of people have thyroid-related disease. Not everybody is, frankly, hypothyroid. Hypo means low thyroid hormone or low thyroid function in your body. So it is extremely common. and it can be even more common if you come from an area where there's not a lot of iodine in the soil, so it's not in your vegetables, it's not in your food. We have stopped eating iodized salt in favor of natural sea salt and things like that, so it's even lower. So I see some, I see some correlation with, particularly in the Midwest, I know that's where you are, with people not getting enough iodine in their diet. So and then there's another thing called Hashimoto's disease, which is actually a very common autoimmune disease that can trigger low thyroid function for people. And then the third thing that can cause it is just stress. So an extremely stressful or traumatic lifestyle can really push you towards thyroid dysfunction that can be pretty subtle and not easily found on the very routine thyroid labs that most doctors do. Okay. So those are the kind of people that I really focus on in my practice. Okay. And do people with low thyroid have trouble with weight loss or do they gain weight or what would you say? Yes and yes. But I will tell you that you know, what I see is I see patients who come in and they need to lose a lot of weight and they expect that if you just push the dose of thyroid higher and higher, that it's acting like it's a weight loss drug. Mm -hmm. And it really isn't. It's like 
So when you get your thyroid balance properly, it might be responsible for 10 to 15 pounds of weight loss. But, you know, that's in, you know, in somebody who needs to lose a lot more than that. But the main thing that it does get your getting your thyroid balanced right is that it gives you more energy. It's like you have, you wake up in the morning, you're not exhausted, you're not having to pry your eyelids open and drag yourself out of bed. You wake up, you're like, oh, okay, I'm ready for the day. You need a normal amount of sleep instead of lots of extra sleep, which is a very typical low thyroid symptom to really just feel tired and sleepy all the time. Mm-hmm. And you have, you just, you kind of have energy to face the day. So that's a big thing. And then the other thing with thyroid is this concept of the metabolic set point, where if you have used calorie restricted diets in the past, that it can actually change your metabolic set point to where you burn less calories than were before you did that. Or maybe you just got a baseline where your metabolic set point is kind of low and it can help reset that to where you're actually, you know, burning the calories that you eat and not storing them for a rainy day, basically. That's, I'm glad you said that because I run into a lot of women who have calorie restricted for years and whether or not they have thyroid disease and they, then they're having a hard time losing weight because. I think because of that metabolic set point that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And there's a very specific lab test that I do that can help kind of expose, you know, maybe not the entire, I mean, I think metabolic set point is something that's not entirely understood sure. by science, sure. um, but at least one part of it that, and I'll go into it now if you want. So when I check people's thyroids, I check for a thyroid metabolite called reverse T3. And what reverse T3 is, huh, I guess I'm going to have to step back a little bit more and explain. So you have two main thyroid hormones in your body. So your thyroid gland, which is here on your neck, makes our, our thyroxine, which is the storage form of the thyroid hormone. That's what it makes first. And then inside your thyroid gland, a small percentage of that like 10% of it is converted into the more active form of the thyroid hormone, which is T3 or lyothyronine. That's the name of it. And then uh, the T4 and the T3 circulate through your body. Your cells can use T4. Even more of it is converted inside the cell into T3, which then goes to the nucleus, binds to the thyroid or the T3 receptor and does what it does in your cells. It activates them. It, ca- it tells them, okay, wake up, do this, do that. You know, yeah. okay, mitochondria, burn energy. Let's do all the things. Let's grow your hair. Let's make your skin nice and, you know, soft and, you know, yeah. what it's supposed to be instead of thin and brittle. You know, let's grow your bones. Let's grow your fingernails. So when you have... I mean, there's several circumstances that can do it, but when you have too much T4 in your body, so that storage from the hormone, when your body perceives either that you have too much T4 or that it needs to slow down your metabolism for some reason, it will make some of that T4 into 
this reverse T3. And reverse T3 is something you can measure in a lab test. And reverse T3 looks just like T3. It's got the same molecular formula. It's got one of the iodines taken off. So T4 has four iodines. T3 has three iodines. Reverse T3 has an iodine taken off, but it's the wrong one. Oh, so oh. then it's like a key that will still fit in the lock, but it's not exactly right. So the key lock won't turn. Oh, so it yeah. won't act. So it will sit on a receptor and it won't activate the receptor. So it competes and actually kicks the T3 off. So you can have enough T3. You can have a situation where your T3 looks like it's normal or even high. But if you have enough reverse T3 that's all blocking it, you can still feel like you don't have enough thyroid. You can have all the symptoms of not enough thyroid. And so I measure that very carefully in my patients, looking at the ratio between the T3 and the reverse T3. And if you have a ratio that's below about 10, um, that patient is not going to feel well. They're not going to be able to lose weight easily. They're going to be tired all the time. They're going to lose the hair off the outer corners of their eyebrows. Yeah. Their um, skin is going to be pale. Their nails are going to be brittle, their hair. A lot of times people just walk in the office and I'll look at them and I'll go, wow, I can see your scalp through the, the hair on the top of your head because that hair is so thin. And Anytime I see that, I'm immediate, you know, there are other reasons to lose that hair on top of your head, but low thyroid is one of the really common ones. Okay. So it's like this being, um, my antenna are twitching the minute I see that person. Yeah. And this, now a lot of times when people go to their primary care doctor, they get just the TSH, which measures, you know, your body's response to the thyroid hormones. And will that be a helpful test if that's all that gets tested? You know, TSH is not a thyroid test. TSH tests a pituitary hormone mm -hmm. um, called thyroid-stimulating hormone that, you know, if you don't have TSH, your thyroid is not going to make more thyroid hormone unless you have um, some kind of other disease that we don't have time to talk about today. But, you know, not enough TSH, you have low TSH, then your body is not getting signal to make thyroid hormone. And a lot of doctors will stop there and they'll go, okay, well, your TSH is low. That means your thyroid must be making enough, uh, enough hormone. And if you stop there, you're going to miss probably 20 to 30% of people who don't have excellent thyroid function. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Do you know, with menopause, a lot of women get dry, brittle nails, big, major skin changes. People talk yes. about people talk about their hair falling out. So is this just a, a time of life that we should have our thyroid tested anyway? Or what's your opinion on that? I think, yes. Okay. So, you know, when we were talking before we started, we were talking about menopause and how none of these hormones really exist in isolation. Right. Uh, they all interact with each other. The adrenal glands trigger or suppress the thyroid. They trigger or suppress the ovaries, the testes, you know, and then there are adrenal hormones as well. So 
when you start losing your sex hormones, the estrogen, progesterone, it changes the amount of binding proteins that you have floating around in your blood. And when you change your binding proteins, you change the amount of available thyroid hormone that you have in your body. And if you already had a borderline iffy kind of situation with your thyroid going towards menopause and you know we say going into menopause like it's flipping a switch it's not it's a 10-year downward spiral (laughs) that's a topic and another topic for another day you know i'm very passionate about uh, women's hormone replacement and all the reasons why a lot of what we were taught over the last 20 years was just dead wrong but yes absolutely digging more into your thyroid is really important. And it's almost like it's a stepwise process. So when I first evaluate a patient, I start with the adrenals and I say, okay, what are we going to do to straighten out your adrenals? And once we've got that straightened out, then a lot of times the thyroid will kind of level out and fix itself. But if it doesn't, then we move on to the thyroid and then we move on to the sex hormones, knowing that when we get the sex hormones right, we're going to go have to go back and readjust the thyroid again. So it's a process. It's not, you know, it's not a switch. It's a process. Thing. And there, and I feel like different kinds of doctors start at a different spot there. Cause like you said, there are, you know, different places that these hormones come from and they interact with each other. And, you know, your OBGYN might start with the sex hormones or, um, so it's, I just want to let people know there are different approaches and that <laughs> so you yeah. uh, may get, it may seem like different answers, but sometimes it's just looking at the puzzle and saying, I'm going to start at, at this spot. Yeah. Well, this, you know, this kind of gets into one of my soapbox topics, which is mm-hmm. we as physicians and particularly anybody who was in training after about 2002 we kind of got taught that hormones are terrible for you and you absolutely shouldn't take them and all these things that turned out to be just flat wrong. And to give some people some historical context on the hormones, you know, I remember being in medical school and a cardiologist saying every woman who's postmenopausal should be on hormone replacement therapy. And then Three or four years later, we were seeing a lot of breast cancer. So then they said, everyone should be not on it unless these special situations. And that fear lasted a long time. And now I feel like the science is there that doctors are looking at now, knowing when it's appropriate, knowing when it's not safe. But it's, but there's a little whiplash there. So if you're, you know, I went to my primary care doctor at menopause and she said, I'm afraid of hormones. And I said, okay, I'm going to go talk about it with someone else. <laughs> um, and that's the right answer. Yeah. No. That, I mean, if a patient goes to a doctor and the doctor says, I'm afraid of hormones, I'm not listening. Please go find somebody else because yeah. the, the science has completely turned around that giant study that scared everybody off of, oh, hormones cause breast cancer has been completely refuted, completely retracted. It, it, it wasn't true. And, you know, the longer they follow those patients, the more they realize actually, yes, breast cancer is very common, but it's not because of estrogen. 
And also, you know, even I talked to some of my colleagues who are, you know, I don't practice primary care anymore. And I actually reached out to a couple of them and asked them about hormone replacement therapy and what they're doing. And a lot of them, because they, it's not a one size fits all anymore either, which it used to be. No, absolutely not. And so they're actually referring people to midlife clinics, menopause clinics, to their endocrinology uh, colleagues, to their OBGYN colleagues. Mm-hmm. If they haven't decided to go out and relearn the new way of, or the current way of doing that, because yes. primary care, you do what you, you can't do all the things. So some of it you're for You out. cannot do all the things. Yeah. There's too much to primary care. There really yeah. is. So you may um, have a primary doctor who has educated, gotten educated about the current hormone stuff, and you may have one that is not, it will refer you to someone else. Yes. That, yeah. you know, and it's very fascinating to me that there are now urologists who treat women who know more urologists yeah know yeah. more about hormones than primary care doctors do and i'm fascinated by that and, and that's some urologists and some primary- not all urologists yes <laughs> so and it's, not it's all- really very yeah it's really very individual it's yeah. whether that First, like I said, this is not something we are routinely taught in, you know, any kind of doctor I don't see is taught in med school residency. So it's, it's completely up to the doctor whether they've gone back to get this training. And that's your age 40 plus doctor. So maybe your age 26 to 40 doctor might know more. I actually don't know. I'd have to ask them. Right. I really hope so. But there there are some certifications that doctors can get. One of them is something called North American Menopause Society, NAMS yeah. certification. And I think more and more doctors are going and getting that. And it's not limited to GYNs or anybody, anybody, any anybody who's a doctor can go and get NAMS certified. So, you know, yes. if you are having trouble finding somebody who treats hormones. You can go to a NAMS doctor. Now, they are not necessarily going to know this thyroid stuff that I'm talking about with the reverse T3. If you feel like your doctor, whoever it is, is not really paying close enough attention to your thyroid, what kind of doctor are you looking for? We can find you online, right? And you will have a... Yes, a you can find me online. You do some coaching. You, have, you will have a course coming up. Yes. So, So I have... For for doctors who want to learn, mm-hmm. I have a course. I'm not the teacher of this course. My mentor is actually the teacher of this course. Okay. And it is a an, an intensive deep dive all hormones course. And actually it's starting, it starts on Sunday. So I'm really excited about that. We're getting okay. ready to start again. And so I mean, he's not the only one who's teaching it, but but he's got a fairly unique perspective on this reverse T3 situation that I was talking about where you measure both and you look at the ratio. So that's something so doctors want to learn more about this. They can reach out to you about how to absolutely how to find out. And so, yeah. and, and people who are not doctors can also reach out to you about this, but what kind of doctor are they looking for locally if in their, you know, in their town? So, yes, so the, the, I'd like someone to look at this a little bit more closely. Yeah. So, so the word you're looking for is integrative medicine, but integrative can mean a lot of things. As a matter of fact, it 
sometimes means whatever the doctor wants it to mean. But my definition of integrative means you take the best of Western medicine and, you know, FDA approved pharmacology, and then you add nutrition and you add excellent proven supplements to that to give a patient a more holistic approach where we're trying to prevent diseases rather than just, oh, you have high blood pressure, here's a pill. Oh, right. you have heart failure, here's another pill. Oh, you, you know, I just, yeah, you know, the whack-a-mole, you know, model. because disease <laughs> model, because people are so unhealthy and because the doctors have so much to do and so little time, I don't blame them. Right. I don't at all. It's not, it, the way healthcare is these days, it's mostly not the doctor's fault, but you know, it's, you have to look for somebody who says, I dig deeper. Right. I customize the program that I'm going to put you on, you know, and you don't need to buy a thousand dollars a month worth of really expensive supplements. That's not correct either. That's, right. you know, so I'm going to interrupt you here, Dr. Dana. So if so I talked to a client recently because I'm a big fan of integrative medicine doctors as well. Yeah. And she lives in a medium-sized city in Iowa and does not have an integrative doctor there. So okay. who's backup if you don't have an integrative doctor in your town? I have many in the Minneapolis-St. Paul region. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> um, yeah. And who would you go to next? So if you go onto a doctor's website, a lot of times, if they do this specialized stuff, it's going to be there. It's going to be on there. I treat X, Y, Z, and I do this. But you can actually call them and ask them, do you test T3? Do you test reverse T3? If they say they don't, then that's not the doctor that you need to fix your thyroid. Okay. So maybe we do a Google search of our town and thyroid doctor. And then you might right. get, so it might be some, it might be someone who's internal medicine, family medicine, endocrinology. Yes. Anybody else? You know, I actually know a couple of psychiatrists who do this. I know oh. several, <laughs> I know several naturopaths that do it. There are, there, it depends on it's state by state, yeah. whether they can prescribe or not. Okay. Because some of them can. And, that gives us and, some great ideas, uh, though, because yeah, yeah. you're just state by state. You know, I we don't have many natural as many naturopaths in Minnesota. I used to live in Washington State, and we had many. So, so those are great ideas. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, one of the things that that I just want to bring up that people get kind of hung up on yeah. is this difference between natural, synthetic, bioidentical. You know, all these term, all this terminology and people get really hung up and say, Oh, I want something that's natural. Yeah. Well, my approach is a little bit different than that. It's that if something natural is superior to an FDA approved synthetic product, then okay, I'll go with the natural. So like, for example, you know, you can buy natural desiccated thyroid that's made from animal thyroid glands. Okay. A lot of people are like, 
you know, I won't go to anybody unless they prescribe natural desiccated thyroid. I'm like, look, it's a tool in the toolbox. I will yeah. use it if it's the best for your particular situation. But the synthetic T4 and the synthetic T3 that are available from most manufacturers, not all of them, but yeah. for most of them, are really good. And they're a known quantity and they are, in my opinion, easier to balance. Okay. Yeah. And the natural desiccated, which only comes 8020 T4, T3. Gotcha. So, and then the other thing is the question, you know, synthetic versus natural, but don't feel like you, that this is the hill you want to die on, that it has to be one or the other. Ask your doctor yeah. what those choices, maybe if you right. want to ask a question about what those choices are, what are the pros and cons? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I mean, natural is a marketing term. You yeah. know, you pick up a candy bar in the store and it's quote unquote natural. But what does that mean? I mean, you read the ingredients list. It's just as long as the ingredients list on a box of high sugar cereal. It's right. And probably not any better for. <laughs> right. Right. So I, um, you would talk a little bit about not asking for too much thyroid medicine. Can we also just Put a little emphasis here that too much thyroid medicine is actually dangerous for your health. It's dangerous. Yeah, it is dangerous. So Particularly for your heart, right? Anything else? In Well, heart most specifically. Okay. If, and there are a lot of studies that show if your TSH is suppressed too low, and that TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone again. Okay. That's the brain signal to your thyroid. If your brain is not signaling your thyroid, then you're going to, one, you're going to feel bad because you need some TSH in your body. You need some, you need a nice balance of the T4 and the T3 in your body. But yeah, if you have low TSH, what that generally means is that you have too much of one or both of the other of the thyroid hormones and they pull put a lot of stress on your heart if they're too high and you can get palpitations and you can get rapid heartbeat and you can even get heart failure. But the opposite is also true. If your TSH is too low, if you have, and I did a, a, a big literature search on this just a couple of days ago, if you have not enough T3 in your body, the, you can have heart failure and all this stuff too. Um, but yeah, you can't, Thyroid is not a weight loss drug. Right. And more thyroid, like th this is one mistake that I think a lot of doctors make is they see a patient who has those symptoms of low thyroid that we talked about. And they think, oh, I'll, even though their numbers are quote unquote normal, I'll just give them some more. I'll give them some more. And the problem is more is just as bad and has a lot of the similar symptoms of not enough, except for then you add the palpitations and the rapid heartbeat and the weakness and, and, and all the things. I'm, I'm asking a question with, a, with an agenda. I, I have okay. patients who I have met and they're too high on their thyroid and they don't want to go down because they say my energy is so good with this. But I just want to let people know that if their doctor has told them they need to go down, this is important for their heart. So even if they are feeling good, on too much thyroid is not good for you. And and so please listen to your whoever your doctor is when they 
telling you that you yeah, need to. I've heard that I've heard that you feel good when you yeah, I've heard you feel good when you take uh, cocaine or amphetamines too, but I'm not gonna go take that. <laughs> what what um, is our risk of, of um thyroid disease? Okay, so um we already talked about a couple of them. Stress is a biggie. Yeah. Stress is really big. And then a genetic tendency towards autoimmune diseases. Okay. Yeah. Is is a very common thing. Because, like I mentioned before, Hashimoto's disease is the most common autoimmune disease, and That's you know the estimated the est yeah it the estimated prevalence is somewhere between ten and twenty percent of Americans have Hashimoto's antibodies in their blood, even though they may not be low on their thyroid yet by standard measures. I like to tell people and. Correct me if you don't agree with this analogy. I mean, we have all these things that we say, well, this runs in my family, this runs in my family. And I feel like the autoimmune is a bucket and all of the autoimmunes are in there. And mostly they, if you have one, if someone has lupus in your family, you have to watch out for all the autoimmune diseases. Or if someone has yes thyroid disease, you have to watch out for all the autoimmune diseases and could be you could be at an increased risk. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that 100%. But there are also genetic tendencies towards thyroid cancer, for example. Okay, gotcha. And there are genetic tendencies towards goiter, although I think the familial tendency towards goiter may be more to do with diet and the fact that people don't get enough iodine, as I mentioned before. Um, And to me earlier that postpartum is a common time that people get thyroid disease. Yes. So. You know, and I don't think it's just thyroid autoimmune disease. I think it's a lot of different autoimmune diseases will come on people, will manifest during a time of extreme stress and pregnancy and postpartum, of course. And, you know, any man who doesn't think it is has anyway, very, it's a very high stress time. Yeah. You know, and so I think. Yeah, I just I think that's a a great time, not great time. It's a very prime time for autoimmune diseases to manifest themselves. And the, the funny thing about Hashimoto's disease is that when it comes on, sometimes at first the patient's thyroid numbers will be high because what's going on in Hashimoto's disease is that antibodies from your bloodstream are attacking your thyroid glands. They're attacking the proteins that are inside your thyroid gland and they cause inflammation and the inflammation does damage and it releases a whole lot of stored thyroid hormone out of your gland and it can make you feel like you have too much thyroid. So what are kind of our take-home points? Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the Midwest, so I'm thinking iodized salt <laughs> as one of them. Well, I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to eat iodized salt. You can go and get a trace mineral supplement. Okay. That has multivitamin has that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if your multivitamin has at least 100 micrograms of iodine in it, then probably okay. okay. Um, The other minerals that really are necessary for thyroid are things like selenium and zinc. Okay. Um, And here's the thing that I just, that is a, a little bit of a caveat with those is both iodine and selenium can be too high. You can take too much of those. And I've seen people taking, you know, a 
thousand micrograms of iodine or more. And I think that's dangerous. And I think you can actually trigger yourself to have thyroid disease if you do that. So, so maybe not. So one. uh, So maybe pick the, the, like you said, the mineral supplement or the multivitamin with the mineral supplement and not exactly use themselves and add them. Yeah, a lot of people take things like Lugol's iodine and stuff, and it's dangerous. It's really not a good idea. It's great. You know, 30 times the max. If you are on Synthroid or on Levothyroxine and you still feel bad, Mm -hmm. these things that I've been talking about with the T3 and the reverse T3, because it's possible to be on thyroid hormone and still have this imbalance that I was talking about. And so if you're on a thyroid medicine and you're still feeling poorly, go to somebody and get the T3 and the reverse T3 checked to see where they are. And don't expect every doctor to know how to interpret those numbers because the normal ranges are very large and they might not be right for you as an individual so those are some big take-homes and don't you know if you have symptoms of low thyroid and you can go anywhere on the internet and find out those symptoms if you have symptoms of low thyroid don't give up just because your doctor said your tsh looks normal great that's the big take-home there's more and since there's a lot of crossover with menopause symptoms it's worth Asking your doctor, should we, along with everything else, you know, sh- that we're looking at, should we, is it time to check my thyroid once now too? Because yes, similar. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You've got a lot to offer people online. I forgot to ask you ahead of time. Do you have a, do you have a brick and mortar? You have a yes. site. Okay. So what city Same. are you in if people want to find you in person? Okay. I, my practice is in South Lake, Texas. But I do see people by telehealth all over Texas. Great. Okay. And so my website is my name, DanaGibbsMD.com. So that's pretty straightforward and simple. I have also a Facebook page, which is Consultants in Metabolism. That's the name of my practice. Right. And on, on that Facebook page, every week I do a live on a different hormone topic. A lot of them are thyroid related. So nice. you can come on there and find those on the Facebook page or sign up and subscribe and I'll send them to you every week. Great. And then if people want to look at things like your courses for doctors, your courses for patients, are those, will they also find those on your website when they go there? Yes. Okay. Yes. The, so yes, the, 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 I do have a course for patients that is actually coming up next month. It starts October 10 that I, it's a three session. We go over thyroid. We go over adrenal stress, vitamin D and other supplements that I think are helpful. Menopause, PCOS, postpartum depression, menstrual syndromes, things like that. So. It's super helpful, and I really spend a lot of time helping people learn to advocate for themselves with their doctor because I realize I can't see everybody. <laughs> yeah, and if you're, you'll have a wait list though for the next one too. If people don't, if people are listening to this, not in 2023 or something. Correct. Like that. 
Well, and it's also available as an evergreen. So if you get there and the live sessions have passed, you can actually purchase the the sessions. Uh, okay, the recording. The recordings, yeah. Okay, I will let everyone know to who's uh, listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube that all these links will be in the show notes so that you can find Dr. Dana Gibbs online or in person. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with our listeners. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been really fun.